to talk with you today about our testimony. And if you're taking notes, and Guy told you you're supposed to, right? So take notes. The title of the message is Say It Out Loud. And so you can title it that. The definition of testify is to give evidence as a witness. And so the probably most common way we know testify is in a court of law. And it's, I saw them do that, and I'm saying they did that, or didn't do that, right? But we are called to give a testimony, we're all called to testify of the things that God has done or is doing in our life. And in fact, I believe that when I am trying to tell people about Jesus, when I'm ministering or when I'm counseling or when I'm giving advice or whatever I'm doing, I am actually most effective when I'm sharing out of something that God has done in and through me or a word that he has revealed to me. When it's personal to me, then I come and I can speak with more authority, with more surety, because I know he did it. And no one can convince me that he didn't show up for me in that way. And so when I speak that to someone else, there's a power in that. Wouldn't you agree? Did you guys all know that Jesus came with a testimony? Right. It says in the Bible, Jesus actually said that no one has seen the Father except the Son, but the Son came to reveal the Father. And he actually said in other places that I don't speak any words of my own. I only speak what the Father has shown me or what the Father has told me. So everything that Jesus said was a testimony, right? He actually, because he stands outside of time, when he was telling about his death and his resurrection, it was actually a testimony because he had already saw it happen. Did you know that? Everything Jesus said was a testimony. And since he is our example to follow, we should always be testifying. Isn't that right? We see throughout the Bible that there are um, many different ways that God would establish testimony. He would do it through feasts. Um, one of the most co- our most famous feasts is the Passover. Have all of you guys heard of the Passover? A couple. So I'll tell you about what the Passover is. It's okay. We'll go back to children's church. Um, but no, the, the Passover um, is when Moses was leading the children out of Israel, and God sent the nine plagues, and Pharaoh was like, yeah, I'll let him go. No, I won't. Yeah, I will. No, I won't. I think he kind of had a disorder or something, but he kept changing his mind. They had had sores and boils and lost all their crops, and there was bloody water, And here God said, he's still not going to let him go. I'm going to send a 10th plague. And he was going to send a plague of the angel of death. And that angel of death was going to come through and it was going to kill every firstborn male of man or of beast. But God said, for the children of Israel, tell them to paint the blood of a lamb on the doorpost. And when the angel comes through, that he'll pass over any home that he sees the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And so after, finally, Pharaoh was like, all right, let them go. We do not want any more of that in our land. And then he tried to get them back again. But after they left Egypt, God said, let's establish a feast. I want you to remember what I did that day. And so they established the feast of Passover. Do you know that it's still celebrated today? That was thousands of years ago. And we still celebrate Passover today because it is a testimony of what God did all those years ago. He also, um, they would erect monuments as a testimony. And so in Joshua, so now Moses has just died, and Joshua is getting ready to step into leadership over the Israelite people. And God says, you know what, I'm going to lead you into this promised land. Like they've been waiting 40 years, wandering around in the desert. It was only an 11-day journey. Did you guys know that? So they were very directionally challenged, kind of like me. There was no Siri in that day. 
So unfortunately, it took them 40 years to finally get to this place where they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land. And they're going to have to take that land. And God said, so I'm going to establish your leadership today so that the people know that I am with you in the same way that I am with Moses. And so they came up, they woke up early in the morning and they came to the Jordan River. And I envisioned it kind of went a little like this, that Josh was like, ooh, that's a big river. Um, how are we going to get across that? There is no boats. Uh, let's see. Priest, you go first. We're just going to see if you make it across and then well, that's what I would have done. But they were okay because the Ark of the Covenant was with the priests, and that's where the presence of God was. And so they were good. Joshua really, you know, he knew what he was doing. And really the Jordan River, it's not as big as what we kind of thought. We went there to Israel, and we saw the Jordan River, and it was like, huh, okay, okay. I mean, we have the Mississippi here, and so, but it's super deep. It's super deep. So actually when the priests went into the water, the water backed up and it was dry land. So what God did is he dried up the land all the way to the bottom of that so they could walk across. In fact, and then he held it back because Joshua was like, wait, 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 hold on. One man from every tribe of Israel, go back in there and grab a stone out of the bottom of that Jordan River because I want to do something with it. And so they took stones. And I want to read to you here in Joshua 4, 19 through 24, if you will turn with me in your Bibles, and starting at verse 19, it says, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their father in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So Joshua knew, he remembered, that his people, we forget. That, that we get a little bit beyond something and we forget. Can any of you relate to that? Can any of you look back and be like, man, God did that for me and I'm in a similar situation now and now I'm all, I'm all nervous again. I know that's me. Like God showed up and he provided there, but this, it looks a little different. So I'm not quite sure if he's going to provide here. And I kind of forget what God did. And Joshua says, I don't want that to happen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these stones, and they were in the middle of the Jordan River at the bottom, and I'm going to set them up out here on dry ground so that not just the children who crossed over remember, but when their kids ask, that they will say, that, oh, let me tell you what God did that day. God stopped up the Jordan River. I mean, it was dry on the ground when we walked over. I mean, how is that even possible? And oh, by the way, he did it 40 years before when he parted the Red Sea. Same kind of thing. The ground was dry and everybody passed over. It was a testament. It was a testament so that they didn't forget that God is mighty and then he looks after his children. The next verses um, after that, they go on to tell that the enemies started to hear about the testimony of what happened, and then they started to become faint-hearted. 
So when they went in to possess the promised land, there was like, it was a much easier battle because the people, their courage was fading in. So Joshua actually had an easier time to go because they were hearing the testimony of what God did. So our testimony, it reminds us, it encourages us, it builds our faith, but it could also help us win battles down the road and we don't even know that it's happening. But there are many different kinds of testimonies. There's feast kind of testimonies. There's memorial stone kind of testimonies. There's I got that job that I was believing for testimony or, or I received my healing testimony. But there's one kind of testimony that is gonna be more powerful than any of the rest. And this testimony is, I was once lost and now I'm found. That I was once dead in my sin that I was hopeless, that I had went my own way and I got into a big old mess. But, but Jesus found me and he washed me clean with his blood and he restored me back to right standing with God. There isn't any testimony that we can give that's more powerful than our salvation testimony. I remember the first time that I was asked to give like my full testimony. It was about seven years ago, and we were pastors on staff at the church in St. Louis. And I had, like, counseled some people and, you know, ministered. And so I had kind of shared parts of my story on an as-needed basis. But I had never really shared my whole testimony. And beside the fact that I had only ever spoke for seven minutes, was that was probably a stretch, and I was being asked to speak for 30, um, I was... I was really afraid as I was like thinking about this and began preparing for it. Like, what are people, what are they going to think? What are, what are they going to think when they realized I did all of that and I walked there and I lived that life? See, because a lot of my shame came from, I was, I was raised in church. I was brought up to know better and I did it anyway. And so shame and fear and condemnation, it started to attack me. And I believe that oftentimes that we allow those things, fame, or shame, fear, and condemnation to silence us from telling our testimony. That we think that maybe people wouldn't understand or that maybe it would compromise our perfect identity that we think we have. I know that was me, that I was trying to project. I felt like as a pastor, you had to look like you had it all together and you had to look perfect, and I really hope none of you think that about me because it ain't true. I don't have it all together, um, but I know the one who does, and I can lead you to him. I have a personal relationship with him, and so you'll be okay if you call this church your own. Um, just don't look to me. Make sure you're looking to him. But in sharing our testimony, it takes a lot of humility. Humility in who we were. We have to own up to that thing and be like, yep, I made those choices. Yep, that's where I was. But it also takes a lot of security in knowing who you are today. In knowing that my Jesus, when he said he washed me clean, he washed me all the way clean. Like all that sin, gone. That when God says he forgives and forget, it's forgotten. I may not forget, but he forgets. And so I have to be secure in that to be able to share my testimony. Another thing that really helped is to realize that the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So as I was getting ready to go up there on stage, I realized that I was a sinner talking to a whole bunch of sinners. 
Makes it a little easier. <laughs> Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And so the direction that I was heading to death was the same direction that they were heading to before Christ, that my big sin maybe didn't, didn't matter when it came to death to their possible little sin, which in reality, is there any real little sin if it all separates us from God? That same scripture, it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so my gift was just as much of a gift, 100%, I did nothing to earn it gift, is they received. It was still a gift to them, 100%, unearned gift. Revelations 12.10 says, and they overcame him, being the accuser, the, the devil, the enemy of our soul, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, we have no power within ourselves to overcome so for me, when I share my testimony, I'm not telling you what I did, how strong or weak I was. I'm telling you what Jesus did because he's the one who overcame in me, right? And that's our story. That's all of our story because if I had to do any of it on my own, I would still be there. I would still be hopeless and dead in my sin. If it required anything from me other than Jesus, I surrender and I need you, then I would be still headed on my way. To hell. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It also says that they overcame by the word of their testimony. And I can tell you that when I got up there and I stood on that stage and I shared my testimony, I experienced that. I experienced the overcoming of my past identity and who I was. And after I shared for a very long 30 minutes and I got down off that stage, my amazing Savior, He gave me a vision. And he gave me a vision of me, and I had all these threads that were once attached to me, some still were. And on the other side of that, what it was holding on to was this ugly, black figure of a blob, and I knew that that was my old identity. That's who I was before Jesus saved me. But even though I was a new creation and it was not a part of me, shame and fear and condemnation kept that thing hanging on to me. And I was walking around through life carrying this old identity. And I was trying to hide it from everybody. I don't want anybody to see all that. Like, they can maybe take a peek if it'll help them, but, like, I don't want anybody to see who I really was. But the Bible says what's kept in darkness has power over us, but what's brought to the light loses its power, right? And so when I got down off that stage, God showed me big scissors that came and cut the last of those threads. And I was set free from that old identity. That I finally was going to be able to experience what God had paid for me to have, which was complete freedom from the old man. And I can stand here and tell you today that I walk in that and I experience that. And maybe some of you can relate that there's parts of your past that you're like, I have those memories, but it's like it really wasn't me. It was like I'm remembering what someone else did or went through or chose. But the, the shame and the condemnation and the guilt no longer bombards me. Because I used to, I remember years after I would do something, like I did something years ago, I hadn't done it, and I would still, God, please forgive me for what I did. And he's probably going, for what? What did you do? Wait, I, I hope you're not talking about something that you already repented for and I forgot because I've forgotten. Because that's what his word says, that he's forgotten. 
but I would ask for forgiveness over and over and over for things that he had long forgiven me for. And I no longer walk through that. He has set me completely free from it. I brought it into the light. And the light will make you free. The truth makes you free. Now we don't have to get up on stage and share our testimony to experience this freedom. Ooh. How many of you are thankful for that? No one? You guys want to come up here? Oh, okay, okay. Um, but 1 Peter 3, 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We should always be in a place in our life to where the Holy Spirit can say, share your story here. Relate to them there. You, you've been there. Tell them about it. And then tell them what I've done for you. We should always be in a place where God can use us. And we're prepared for that. Like we've thought about it. We're looking for it. We're expecting it. Because we know that God wants us to testify of who he is. But the scripture also says that if we're living a life according to God's plan and God's purpose and God's will, that it should be igniting questions. It says to always be prepared to give an answer for when people ask you. For when people ask you. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you living a life where people are asking questions? To where people are saying, wait, like how, how do you have joy in the midst of that situation that I know you're going on. Wait, wait, how are you kind to that person? Because I saw what they did to you. Wait, how did you not cut that person off on the highway because they cut you off? Oh, the, just me? Okay, no, I don't do that anymore. I promise, I don't do that anymore. But we should be living a life that people are saying, I want to know what you have. I see something different in you. And I want that. I want to know more about that. I want to be someone who can walk in peace like you are walking in when all of that is going on. Are our lives prompting questions for people who are watching? <clears throat> I told you that when I shared my testimony, sorry, that I was afraid people would look at me differently. And they did. They did. <clears throat> Sorry. But not in the way that I thought. Because what I was afraid of is that people would be like, oh, her. Oh, she's been a fake this whole time. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that she did that and she is willing to stand on that stage. That's not what happened. Or at least those people never came and told me anything of that. So I am just going to say that didn't happen. But the people who did share, they were people like, oh my gosh, I've been there. Or, oh my gosh, I am there right now. Like, that's what I'm going through. That's where I am. And I felt hopeless. I was ashamed to tell anybody. I thought that I was the only one and that everybody would look at me differently. But because you were willing to open up, I feel the confidence that I can go and seek help. That I feel like maybe I can share my testimony with someone else and that maybe it can help them because of what you did. People definitely related to my testimony because it's the most powerful thing that I can offer is what God did in and through me. 
And while our, or our testimony begins with salvation, it should definitely continue to grow throughout our life. Amen? Amen. It's not just we did this, you know, one thing 30 years ago, and that's the only thing we have to talk about. You know, we should be continuing to step out in faith, to believe for things so that our testimony can grow. We should continue to have feast type of days and memorial stone type of days. And I got the job type of days that I was believing for. Days where we say, let me tell you children what God did. And you tell your children what God did so that you guys can see the mighty hand of God and that you can fear him and respect him and honor him and know that he will be there for you when you need him. Know that he loves you and he will never forsake you and never leave you. But faith precedes true testimony. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. The elders obtain a good testimony through faith. Did you know that your salvation began with faith? Right? You had to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was who he said he was, and that he will do what he said that he will do. And you accepting him into your heart as your personal Savior is a step of faith. But do you know what? That faith became substance when the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you, and he bears witness with your spirit and says that you're a child of God. Can anybody relate to that? That when you accepted Jesus in your heart, that it was, you were like, oh, hoping. You were hoping that this was real. That God was really going to restore you. That all that old man was really going to be washed away like he said. But then once you received salvation, you began to walk that thing out. The Holy Spirit is like, yep, you are a child of God. Nope, that person's not you. That's a lie of the enemy. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Romans 1, 16 through 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We are called to not just step out in faith every once in a while, but we are called to live by faith. To live from faith to faith, to faith. And as we do that and we extend our faith, and it has to be founded on the word of God. We don't have faith for a million dollars to show up tomorrow in my mailbox, although it would be awesome if any of y'all want to send it. But we have faith and it's founded on the word of God. And we extend it out there and that faith will become substance. And we'll obtain a testimony. So that all throughout our life we're not telling you know, let me tell you what God did 30 years ago, but let me tell you what God did yesterday. Let me tell you what God did last week. Let me tell you, because I'm going to keep believing on the promises that God says. I'm going to keep extending my faith out there so that I can continue to grow my testimony. And then I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it because we want our kids to be in heaven with us, right? Our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our loved ones, our coworkers. This is how we do it. And sometimes I feel like when we talk about telling people about God, it seems so difficult and it seems so hard. I remember when I was growing up, I thought that telling people about God looked like going up to a house that you don't know and knocking on the door and saying, do you believe in Jesus? 
<laughs> and that was terrifying. And I just repented every day that I was never going to do that. I was never going to tell anybody about God if that's what it looks like. But that's not what telling people about God is. This is what it is. This is, hey, I see you going through that. Man, let me tell you what God did for me when I was going through that. Hey, I see you're going through a hard time. Let me pray for you because when someone prayed for me, God showed up. It's just telling people our testimony, looking for opportunities for God to open the doors because he wants to use you. He wants to open those doors. He, he endeavors to work through us, and that is something that I cannot understand, why he chooses to work through us. It would be so much easier if he would remove us from the equation. But he wants to us to experience, oh, God, look, I shared it. I stepped out and I told him. I stood on stage in front of 300 women and I told him my testimony. And someone could relate. It made a difference. Someone said their life was changed. And he's like, yes, honey, that's what I've been telling you all along. That's why I told you to share it. That's why I set you up in this, because I wanted you to experience the joy that I experienced when someone's life is changed. Amen? Amen. As we close and the team comes back up, I said at the beginning that I feel like the most powerful most powerful thing I can share is our testimony. And while I would like to take credit that I coined that and came up with that great wisdom, it was actually Paul. And so I'm going to read the scripture, Romans 15, 18. And Paul says, For I dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and in deed. If Paul can do all of the amazing things that he did, if he can go across all those countries and all those areas into foreign peoples that believed foreign things and killed people for all kinds of things and whatever they did, and he could go there boldly, only sharing what God has done in him and through him, can God not use us in the same way to make as big of an impact in our world? He gave us something powerful when he gave us a testimony. Didn't he? And so as we close out the service here, I wanted to do two things. First, I wanted to pray for anyone who feels like that they feel the shame and the fear or, or condemnation from their, from their old identity. And they feel like they're dragging that thing around like I was. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up here in a minute. But I also want to pray for anybody who feels like, man, I want, I want to open my mouth. I just, I've been afraid to tell people about, you know, what God has done for me. And I just want God to use me. I want him to open my mouth and show me doors and give me the boldness and the courage to speak my testimony to people. So if you are in either one of those places, will you stand up so I can pray for you? If you want fear and shame to be broken off, if you feel like you've been battling that, or if you just want more opportunity to show God, to, to share your testimony and show people who God is, if you would stand up. It takes boldness. If you're praying for boldness, you gotta be able to make this stand. Awesome. Well, bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. And I'm going to pray over you. And, and when I pray this prayer, God is going to move. He is a faithful God and he loves you. 
and he wants you free and he wants to use you. So you receive this prayer by faith. Dear Father God, I pray over each and every person that is battling shame or fear or condemnation, where their old identity is weighing them down, where they are struggling to realize the new creation that you died for them to be, Lord God. And I just pray that that would be broken in the name of Jesus, that all fear and all shame would be broken off and that they would begin to experience the revelation of who you created them to be, Lord God, the freedom of walking in the new identity that you have died and that you paid such a high price for them to have. And Lord God, for everyone that is standing for boldness, Lord God, I just pray, Father, that you would just build a boldness up in their soul, that it would begin to bubble out of their soul, out of their mouth, Lord God, that their eyes would be keen to opportunities for you to be able to use them mightily and powerfully, Lord God, and that they will not judge the results of them stepping out by what they see, but they will know and trust God that you plant seeds and that you water and that you use and minister and that you promise that you would take the words of our mouth when we testify against you. Your word says that none of your words return void. And when we declare our testimony based on your word, that it will always be effective. And I pray, Father God, that you would use each person in this room that is standing to be used more in a mighty and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.